0: sequel quest episode 88 a trick or treat sequel
1: Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic adventure to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way, Sequel Quest is go for launch. So let the adventure begin now. it's party time sequel quest is rock's chosen podcast
2: <laughs>
1: welcome all you mulleted metalheads and undead rock stars alike to this special halloween episode of sequel quest Tonight, we are delving into the world of 80s horror and heavy metal, a deadly cinematic combination found in the form of Trick or Treat from 1986. Starring Mark Price, Tony Fields, Doug Savant, with special appearances by Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, directed by Charles Martin Smith. So, let me introduce you to the team that's rocking on a midnight this time around, first up, shorting out his electrically charged body while his hand is jammed into a toilet bowl it's jeff yes it is yes it is if you're looking for jeremy he disappeared into the ether after handing me an acetate record containing the final recording of sammy kerr so we'll hope for his safe return after this metal massacre ends meanwhile spinning the record backwards to hear instructions from my deadly demonic rock idol i'm adam and tonight we have one of rock's true chosen warriors joining us the man who knows to think twice before putting on your headphones while alone in the back of a car from the sexy R pit blog and purple stuff podcast welcome jay
0: hey you guys thanks for having me on i'm really excited to be here and for that wonderful intro i really appreciate it and i'm ready to rock out with you guys tonight
2: you're 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 fortunate because usually Adam compares us all to like mass murderers, so I feel like you got off lucky. <laughs> I
0: appreciate that.
2: For those
1: who are not aware, Jay, the pride that you have in your home state of New Jersey is well documented. And I want you to know that I have Jersey in my blood. I grew up in Southern California, but my mom was born and raised in Pittman, New Jersey. Do you know Pittman?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's south. It's way down there. It's almost like by i think like philadelphia
1: yeah exactly yeah just just kind of over the bridge you know go to delaware get to philly yeah so uh but she she and her her side of the family is still in the area i actually got to live and go to school there for six months in 1993 uh i even spent a rainy halloween trick-or-treating on those historic streets so to me that was a dream and i go back as often as i can to visit usually for retrocon these days but cousin she'll go to wawa gets me some rolls and serves up some delicious sausage sandwiches so it's a magical kingdom of wonder that you come from is what I'm trying to say Jay <laughs> a choir I, mean, I know well
0: I have to not a, not a lot of people share your optimistic (laughs) 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 approach
1: to our audience also fair warning up front this is a horror film so it is different from our usual movie selections on the podcast in fact we haven't done much horror at all so if you go to YouTube and watch it the film is available on YouTube to stream uh, be advised that it does feature some more adult content that being said it could have easily had a TV edit and still be the same movie and so Jay (laughs) is that actually how you discovered it did it play on network or cable tv
0: believe it or not that's not how i discovered it and i'm actually glad that It wasn't because, like you're mentioning, they used to butcher these horror movies when they played them on TV. But I first discovered it on VHS because I was lucky enough to have a friend, one of my closest friends, his older brother, worked at a video store when we were little kids. So he would bring home all these tapes, like when they first hit the uh, rental store, you know? So he would bring us home posters and stuff like that. And that's when I first saw this movie and it really just blew me away. My friend thought it was so cheesy, but I loved it.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So I've come to know trick or treat through Jay's preaching. <laughs> you know, he is <laughs> he is the prophet of trick or treat telling us that there is joy and excitement to be found within. Going so far Jay as to you're like the only person or one of the few that actually creates merchandise based yeah. on trick-or-treats can you tell us a little bit about what forms that has taken
0: oh absolutely yeah and like i feel like there's not enough uh you know sammy kerr and trick-or-treat stuff in the world (laughs) so like last year i did um it was kind of like a sculpture of sammy with one of the artists that i know and uh this year i came up with the concept of a character inspired by sammy kerr and one of the artists that i know kind of drew her up and then we did t-shirts and stuff like that so it's just something that i think needs to have more exposure so that's why I'm doing it
1: yeah and, and while that was my introduction as far as actually taking the leap of seeing the film I saw it on a VHS for the first time as well but did not purchase it it was probably around 99 or so I was in a drugstore store. And they had just all these like cheap VHS tapes. And I was a huge Kiss fan at the time. And we'll get into that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I saw Gene Simmons on the cover of this movie. And then I see Ozzy right next to him. And I'm like, what? What is this? And, and I, I just looked at it. And at the time, like my love of horror, I wasn't so open with it. Like I would secretly rent Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> and, and like t- take it into my room and watch it when nobody was home. So nobody would have to hear the screams, you know, like I wasn't forthright about it and so yeah i just didn't buy it at the time instead i bought a different gene simmons film starring rutger Hauer, wanted dead or alive
0: you yes know, heard of that one <laughs> yes
1: so and and we're gonna get into the details of trick-or-treat but i think this is a special occasion it's so rare that we as kiss fans get a chance to talk to one another and find each other out there so with gene simmons making an appearance in this movie it gives us license to talk about the hottest band in the world so jay i know that's another one of your passions yes
0: oh absolutely yeah just a a total kiss fan ever since i was a kid and in fact when you mention kiss in this conversation you're talking about horror movies you know we're kind of in Halloween time right now, Gene Simmons to me was basically my introduction not only to that kind of music, but also provided me with one of the inspirations to become obsessed with horror. Because he was such a scary looking guy when I was like, (laughs) I was like three years old, I think, when I first saw (laughs) what he looked like. And I was like obsessed with him. I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know, he had the blood coming out of his mouth. And, you know, it was just so spooky and creepy. And he had bat wings. I'm like, I love this guy, you know, because I love things that were scary. So it was, for me, the best of both worlds. You had horror movies and rock music together. It was, like, amazing.
1: Yeah, that's what's so funny for me is I became a KISS fan – not until 1996 in high school. Like before that, I'm listening to the Monkees. I'm listening to Weird Al. Like you know, like yeah. I, I I was not into hard rock in any fashion. And then there was this guy. Shout out to my friend Galen, who would come into algebra class every day wearing Kiss shirts or Ozzy shirts. And I was just like, mm-hmm. Who is this devil worshiper? And I would just talk to him, <laughs> like, What are you? What are you about, man? What is this? And he's like, They're not devil worshippers. I'm like, Look at them. They look like Marilyn Manson, you know. And so he one day we had a substitute he brought in his cd player and he plays beth for me and then i start listening to the rest of destroyer and i'm like oh, oh. yeah it's like, oh wait wait
0: that's knights in satan's service it yeah. doesn't sound like it
1: <laughs> so then like he, he lends me you wanted the best you got the best for the summer so i'm getting yeah. like the best of their live tracks and then i'm like a diehard ever since then he goes and recruits me as the vocalist in his garage band so now i'm learning black sabbath tunes i'm learning metallica and misfits and ozzy and so it just kind of spiraled out of control where i fell in love with 80s rockers they're like lita ford or fake ones like steel dragon from rockstar you know like (laughs) so like but kiss was always the core of my musical soul like this episode could just as easily have been a sequel to kiss meets the phantom of the park you know like (laughs) but i feel like scooby-doo meets kiss that animated film already did it in an amazing way
0: i actually really enjoyed that one but yeah if you ever decide to do that uh, i'll come on next
1: year yeah i I think it's (laughs) only fair but (laughs) as i mentioned before jeff has had to endure my eccentricities of kiss fandom for the 20 years of our friendship so i'm (laughs) sure he has some stories to tell so jeff how do you recall my kiss obsession manifesting itself
2: probably the the main way is the belt buckle is virtually every photo you will ever see Adam Pope in especially from high school and beyond not only does he have a kiss belt buckle but every pose he would ever take had to feature his like thumbs in his belt loop <laughs> to emphasize and i remember when he bought it and it was just like that was all adam talked about for i don't know how long well, it, uh, it
1: was vintage. Jay, I got it at an antique store. It's a 1976 the holographic belt buckle.
0: I would flaunt that as well.
1: Like even <laughs> when I graduated, I hid it under my gown, and when I went up on the stage, I pulled it out and threw it on over my gown. And so my <laughs> mom was so embarrassed. I had I had a kiss tie on underneath, and I flipped it out. So good. And Jeff has been to a kiss concert with me, so I did bring him along to take you the Sonic Boom tour. So you got oh, a to couple see of that. them.
2: Didn't I? I also saw them, I wasn't without you, was it, when I saw them in Aerosmith?
1: That was without me, yeah. I, I wasn't uh, around when they went on that tour, yeah. Although so. to be
2: fair, that that was I, I was more there for Aerosmith, but you know. <laughs> but so I, I guess like
1: when you talk about, you know, Kiss in the movies, right? Well, right, you know, Gene is really the one who's done that. You know, he was in Runaway with Tom Selleck, the outrageous Too Young to Die with John Stamos. Yes. If you haven't listened to the How Did This Get Made episode of that, you need to go check that out. And it's streaming on Amazon Prime if you have that that movie is crazy yeah <laughs> and then is. you add skippy from family ties to the mix and gene has had some pretty impressive co-stars
2: well and not only that but he was big on on was it Celebrity Apprentice? He's done a couple of times. Was he on that show?
1: I, I mean, he had he had Family Jewels. I mean, that was a great reality oh, that show. Too. But,
2: so I mean, he's Mr.
1: Media, and uh, he's his performances. I feel like are kind of hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> Usually, <laughs> really outrageous or super subdued. He doesn't kind of have a middle ground, but but he's done quite a bit there. You know,
0: I think some of his best stuff, surprisingly, is when he's not really acting. And I don't know if you'll know these like right off the bat i'm sure you do but there was a couple of videos in the 80s uh and early 90s uh one was called kiss exposed oh, yes. and then there was another one like kiss confidential and they yeah. those those home videos that they made even though he was being himself uh those were like to me the most iconic things he's ever done so like <laughs> like he was like a He was dressed as a devil and he had women's heads all over the place. It was just so bizarre and great. I
1: love that. Yeah, it was way over the top. My favorite part about uh, Kiss Exposed is the fact that you have from Saved by the Bell, you have the waiter, uh, James, Mm -hmm. I believe is the character's name, you know? So he's like interviewing them throughout, you know? So that was just a great crossover at the mansion, the Kiss Mansion. What I always remember from that video for some reason is, Gene, like, this is the piano that the piano part from christine 16 was played on you know and you're like really (laughs) come on gene (laughs) oh it's good stuff but then this movie kind of comes around kind of like i feel like in the the heyday of Gene participating in films, and yet he's just more of a, a cameo. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read real quick while we kind of get uh, deeper into what this movie is about. But I, I'm reading the back of my DVD box here, so let's see how this matches up to our experience in watching the film. It says that Eddie Weinbauer is a typical all-American teenager. At least he was until he fell under the evil spell of rock music. Now he's obsessed with heavy metal superstar idol Sammy Kerr, who's killed in a hotel fire eddie becomes the recipient of the only copy of kerr's unreleased album which when played backwards sends a message of destruction as halloween approaches eddie begins to realize this isn't only rock and roll it's life and death and he must draw the line to thwart this mission yeah, I'm sold.
2: <laughs>
1: but I think you know what's interesting is that the core of the film, right, really gets into something that Kiss was at the center of Ed Ozzy as well, which is the the Satanic Panic of the mid '80s, right? Right. It was so it was a strange time um, <laughs> where everybody was convinced there were people in cloaks in the woods killing babies and making sacrifices, and, and that just seemed to be on everybody's mind.
0: Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting that that you bring it up because it, to me, one of the reasons why this movie, you know, is to me, it's still relevant. And I could probably make, you know, a hundred reasons, uh, a list of a hundred reasons why. But, you know, it, it isn't just the satanic panic thing. It's also, it kind of ties back to like a larger issue, which was going on in the 80s, which you would always see like D. Snyder uh, talking to the congress uh you know or whoever it was where mm-hmm. it's like you know they had those parental advisory stickers because some of the content of the music was in question uh with especially with heavy metal so it, it wasn't even just the satanic stuff because the satanic stuff goes back to the 60s with the back masking and charles manson with the you know and uh playing the beatles backwards and all mm-hmm. this other stuff so th- i mean that that's like a deeper issue i think you know but like i think in the 80s it all came to like a major head when the government wanted to put parental advisory stickers on everything
2: like even with this this movie and you know talking about kiss is that there's a number of bands that just kind of get associated with that devil worshiping whatever like like you know heavy metal equals devil things and uh and that's the that that was always the funny thing for me is that all of these making of documentaries that Adam would show me about KISS is that like they're like the least demonic people. Like you said, maybe Gene Simmons. Although when you hear Gene Simmons interviewed, he sounds like a businessman. Yeah, he's, like he's, he's always very calculating. And it's kind of like I created this persona of the demon because I felt like he would be the most entertaining and draw in the crowds. And then you get Paul Stanley, who is just like, I think the man is the literal embodiment of screamer rock and roll. Just like everything you talk. He just seems like he's like, how are you doing? My name is Paul Stanley, And like, that's just his life. And then, Peter Chris just seems like a guy they picked up on the street who's like, <laughs> well, you know, they wanted to make me a cat, so, all right. But the culture surrounding it, and again, like, all people would hear is, like, there's a guy dressed up like a demon and he spits blood? Like, oh, forget it.
1: What's interesting, too, is when you think about KISS, yeah, so in the 70s, like, they're the target of, you know, all these parents groups and religious groups, even into the early 80s when they kept the makeup on. Like, there's, like, Creatures of the Night era stuff where they're being interviewed on talk shows about, you know, are you Satanists and all this stuff. And then as soon as they take off the makeup, nobody cares about them. Immediately, like, nothing about KISS is associated with evil because there's no easy target, (laughs) you know? And then their concerts get so sexual and strange and it's like shouldn't your morality meter be up christian groups shouldn't you be upset at like just the the sex talk and they don't care it's just if they look like the devil then you can go after them you know same with ozzy you know like i love his behind the music is one of my favorites you know there's this lawyer you know who says like there is a segment of that song that if you listen to it it says shoot 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 get the gun Get the gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. <laughs> you know, and Ozzy's like, look, I will admit, there is on there an effect, it could sound like shoot, but I never said get the effing gun. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, just that whole, the backmasking, the hiding, the lyrics, all those things. So this movie comes out kind of in the heart of that and plays into it so well. But also, I, I got to start off, uh, Jay, because you're, you're the expert on this film. The alternate title for this in, you know, foreign market is Ragman. So what is a Ragman, Jay?
0: Well, Ragman was just his, like, that was just his tag name. Like, he did, it wasn't, like, as far as I know, there's no, like, deeper meaning to it.
1: But I was like, is it because he gets ragged on by the bullies? Like I was just like, what is what is a rag man? Like what what is, why does he identify himself with that?
0: I don't think it it, it does seem like it, it could be it could mean that, but I don't think that's what it is. I think that was okay. just kind of like his tag name. Although oh, yeah. it, it did have another name too. It was oh, like yeah. uh, like death.
1: Death at thirty-three
0: Revolution. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Death, death at thirty-three. Yeah,
1: that's a great cover though, where it's just the record player.
0: Yeah, I have a poster, like so cool.
1: Ragman, Mark Price again for those who watched Family Ties back in the day. Skippy, the nerdy neighbor who has a crush, you know, on uh... Mallory. Mallory. I feel like that's a name you don't hear anymore. That's such an '80s name it from is. hippie yeah. parents. Mallory, you don't get that yeah. anymore. Yeah, I know. But, but you know, so you got Ragman or Eddie Weinbauer. He's getting picked on by these bullies who are just, like, psychopaths. Doug Savant from Melrose Place? Yes. Like, he was such a wussy guy on that show. <laughs> and to see him be the jock bully here is hilarious. I know. It's actually kind of funny in some parts, like when they just walk down the hall and they like mess up his hair and make it stand up like a few inches off his head, like his all his moose or whatever, you know. (laughs) Uh, But then they like they put a weight in his backpack and almost drown him in a pool. I I know that's messed up. And so to me, it's very much like Jay. I'm assuming you've seen this, but Evil Speak with Clint Howard.
0: Right. There's a lot of themes that go through that movie that that showed up in other 80s uh, genre films.
1: Yeah, so it's like a, a nerd uses dark forces to get his revenge, essentially. Calls on the power of Satan to beat up his bullies. Yeah. But, I mean, I, it, I think, you know, I think Mark Price is a good leading man in this. I actually tried to reach out I was going to surprise you, Jay, if I could get him on the show to oh drop in. That Have you amazing. ever tried to contact him? I, I
0: haven't, you know. But like, it, to be honest, like as you're mentioning it, you know, it made me think because there's been times like I've been in conversations with people and and literally said like in this film, he's he he actually turns in a really good performance. I I think he did a great job. Like probably. He's underrated as an actor because, you know, you always think, well, you know, you can make fun of Skippy because he's the guy you make fun of. But he was great at being a geek. He probably wasn't even like that in real life, you know. So I think he did a great job in this movie.
1: Jeff, are you ready to give him an Academy Award? (laughs)
2: So, wait, I am a little confused, like, because as we started off, I thought we were on the same page that this is a bad movie that could have been good. <laughs> now, are we on the page now that this is actually a great movie that oh, yeah. is misunderstood?
0: It's a phenomenal
2: movie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Jeff, we're
1: this is why to we have win. you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel like, cause at the very least, we gotta call a spade a spade here. Is that if someone hasn't seen this movie and they're like, have I missed this hidden gem? Like, uh, well, I don't know that we should have sky high expectations here. Like, this reminded me very much of a of a of a, a favorite of ours, like The Gate, that we used to watch with Steven a, Dorf. A, Steven Dorf, thank you. Um, <laughs> Which is, you know, an interesting horror movie, but not a great one. So I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just me. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, I, I think where where you have to come in on it is this film like it knows what it's doing. And I feel like the director and the writer, everybody involved in this film, they knew what they were making and knew what they were speaking of. It wasn't just like heavy metal is popular and, you know, this we got we got the the religious groups making a big deal about rock stars being evil and corrupting youth, so we're going to make a movie about it. It's like it felt like they actually had some metal chops and they they could bring that experience to the film. So I feel like if nothing else, the singular vision of it all makes it special that it doesn't feel like a cash and it feels like yes this is the movie we wanted to make
2: uh well i feel like too because when i read it that like they wanted gene simmons to play the bad guy and he read it and he said uh no but then they convinced him to play the wolfman jack type character Mm, and like for me i kind of feel like they were banking on gene because if you throw Gene Simmons as the bad guy who's raised from the dead, that, that's a very different style of movie. But
1: I mean, like, getting back to what I said about, like, Gene's performances are not always 100% like something oh, no. to be proud of. And sure. I feel like it would have been distracting oh, having a known rocker who's already under fire in the film, him or Ozzy. Or they also had chased uh, Blackie Lawless from Wasp, who another connection, childhood friend of Ace Freely. But he was. They wasp did like crazy like stage stuff. They had like exploding cod pieces. Didn't he like eat raw meat and stuff too? Jay. Like, yeah.
0: He. Yeah. He. He was out of his mind. Blackie. <laughs> they did some crazy stuff.
1: But he he wanted to do the soundtrack. So they said no. We're, we have fast way, which we'll get into that. And so he's like, fine. If I'm not doing the soundtrack, I'm out. But I feel like Tony Fields, who plays Sammy Kerr. Is amazing in this movie, and if if I can make a criticism of the film, if I'm going to say there's a problem with it, is that there's not enough Sammy Kerr on screen in this right. movie. I mean, he's like his presence is felt throughout. But if he had been more of like a physical wingman to the ragman, you know, to take on the bullies, because Tony Fields is just like electric on screen. He's oh he God, just I grabs know. your attention in every way. He's awesome.
0: <laughs> he's really good.
1: Sammy Kerr, I feel like should have been on the level of Freddie or Jason or Michael Myers. He's just he's not in the movie enough to establish himself like him really being the bad guy or him really being this demonic monster he, he ends up more like the killer in shocker you know or yeah. i have electricity powers that i jump around and all that it kind of it, i feel like it doesn't play to what he could have been which if we're getting to another kiss connection with shocker paul stanley d with desmond child for the title yeah. track jay what was their band name
0: oh uh, the dudes of wrath <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, good tune, yeah, though, good tune. That's a great song, yeah.
1: Uh, for you, Jay, like, what do you, you think of Sammy Kirk? Because, again, he's a figure in your life that is you happily uh, share with the world. What is it about him that you think makes him so iconic?
0: Great question. And I think it kind of ties back to what you were saying, because originally the, the filmmakers, they really, and Dino De Laurentiis, who was the producer of, he it was his uh, production company, they wanted to create a new like you said, a Freddy or a Jason, they felt like, well, heavy metal right now in the mid-'80s, mid to late-'80s, it was, like, super popular. It was at its, like, peak, probably. And they said, well, why don't we make a heavy metal horror icon? And that kind of, like, I think when you go in with those lofty goals, personally, if the movie succeeded in the way that I think they wanted it to, you'd probably still be seeing uh, movies from this character, you know, but Yeah, I think for fans like you and I, you know, of of the genre of music and of horror, this uh, movie and this character is just, it's so perfect. So for me, when I watch this movie, I'm like, it's almost like euphoric because, you know, whenever it's almost like when you, when you have, let's say you have a, a food or a drink, and it, it it kind of mixes perfectly two of the greatest things, like peanut butter and jelly. You know, like this to me is like peanut butter and jelly. It's like the greatest possible mixture of anything, you know, and you eat it and you're like, oh, my God, it's so good. You know,
2: <laughs> I don't know that I've ever felt that way about peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> OK, it
0: could be anything, you know, <laughs> a burger and fries. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Uh, but like the the soundtrack is such a big part of that, and Fastway is a they're kind of a, a British metal band, right? Or are, are the ones who. who who take care of the the duties of creating the music of Sammy Kerr. And I feel like, you know, you alluded to that. Heavy metal was like the popular music at the time, and then it was crossing over with horror. You know, you had Dokken with the Dream Warrior soundtrack, you had Alice Cooper with Friday the 13th. So uh, that was something that was going on at the time. And then here's an entire soundtrack Created to say, this is the music of this world. And to me, it accounts for a lot because these are great songs like the title track, Trick or Treat, After Midnight. Yeah. Like, it's good, good stuff. And actually, I personally have a, an affection for, you know, fictional bands in movie universes i actually own this book it's called the rocklopedia fake bandica yeah i have that that's a great you book. got it too and so i yeah. thought let's let's read real quick the the entry here for sammy kerr okay because i think it's only totally fair it says dead heavy metal singer who attempts to come back from the dead by taking over misfit metal levantine eddie weinbauer trick or treat is the cream of the metal exploitation horror movie subgenre but that still doesn't mean much <laughs> kiss frontman jean Simmons. Evans plays radio DJ Nuke, who gives Weidbauer a tape of Kerr's last unreleased material. When he plays it backwards, messages and instructions for the music give Weidbauer some payback on the jocks who torment him. But when things go too far and people start getting hurt, Weidbauer has to decide between listening to the insane demonic spirit of his psychotic heavy metal idol and, uh not listening to the insane demonic spirit of a psychotic heavy metal idol so there you go nice little entry there for sammy kerr but these songs i feel like could have easily played on the radio and just like make them your your halloween soundtrack and jay i know you have quite a lengthy halloween playlist but you play it all year round is that right
0: I try to start it usually in the, toward the end of the summer, you know, but there, I mean, songs, there's songs on it that I listen to all year. This, this is the soundtrack that I play the most. I mean, whenever I hear these songs, it just gets me in the mood for Halloween.
1: Oh, they're great. They're great. And the way they're used in the movie, I mean, that concert scene where Sammy finally shows up and it's just silent and he just gets oh the God. beat going, smack yeah. in his fist, like you're just yeah. like, yeah! Yeah. And then he starts blowing people up. What's yeah. more fun than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one thing I discovered on my last watch of it is after he blows up the second person in the crowd, <laughs> yeah. right after the smoke clears, there's this woman in, like, a female Gene Simmons costume. Have you seen her before, Jay? Have you noticed this? Is there really? I didn't. Need, I don't know if I remember that part, no. It's literally, like, one or two seconds. And I just happened to be, like, pausing through because <laughs> I wanted to look at all the Halloween costumes. And I saw her. I was like,
0: what? I have to put that on, yeah.
1: Yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's really neat. But then we get into the situation of, of Sammy. Actually, what is he doing? You know, besides blowing up people with electric bolts from your guitar... Like, what, what, what is his, Jeff, for you? Like, how did you feel about him being in, in the vein of a Jason or a Freddy? Do you feel like his method of harassing people and intimidating and ultimately killing people, how did you feel about that?
2: I don't know. I mean, like, I still struggled with why. I didn't quite understand why he was doing anything just because he's bad, I guess. I I didn't quite get that. The tough thing for me is that I don't know that I was necessarily frightened by anything that was going on. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not a big fan of like, I don't think like, especially later Freddy Krueger's and stuff like that. I don't know that they have done suspense and terror necessarily well either, but that one, I don't know. It didn't quite, I didn't have that sense of suspense quite as much. And the, the creativity I don't know. I mean, like, I know you've certainly talked about Adam, like with Freddy Krueger, that that's always been Freddy Krueger's thing is the creative way of killing people. And I don't know that that was necessarily, I don't know, that didn't strike he me He
1: pulls either. people out of TVs, Jeff, and he turns them into dusty corpses. Yeah, but. And then somebody has to vacuum it up. <laughs> that was Large Marge, by the way. Yeah. Large, yeah. Large. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I feel like. He's not super clever about it. I'll agree with that. He's more like an impulsive killer, it feels like. <laughs> He's just kind of like, Here's, here, I'm here in the moment. What can I do? I know, like, in one of the posters, they feature very prominently his log fingernail. Mm-hmm. And he uses it at one point, you know, he kind of licks it, sticks it in the light socket and creates a circuit to fry somebody, you know. But what's funny about that, too, again, if we're going back to Gene Simmons in movies, in Never Too Young to Die, that's Gene Simmons has the same thing. He has this long fingernail that he stabs people in the jugular with.
0: Yeah, it's probably probably for, like, Coke or something back in the day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, Jay, Jay, how would you explain? Because Jeff brought up, I think it is a, a slight bit of, you know, it's not explained at great length why is sammy back and why is he trying to kill people like because it seems like he's on ragman's side at first just to help him but again why would he help him so what what's the main plan as you understand so
0: the whole concept is that ragman eddie weinbauer finally says you know i've absolutely had it i'm not going to take it anymore which is like the crux of heavy metal you know you've absolutely had it You're revolting. You're pushing everything aside. You're an outcast. You're going to live your life the way you want. Like a lot of the concepts that KISS would use uh, to write songs about. Uh, So uh, Ragman says, uh, that's it. I'm going to nail these guys. They push me too far over the edge. I'm really pissed off right now. And I'm going to take out my frustrations on them. He didn't understand. Like, he opened a Pandora's box. He didn't mean he wanted to kill all of them. He inadvertently summoned sammy who he worshipped and sammy's idea was well i'm gonna kill all of them that's what i do so <laughs> so it's almost like inadvertently happened to get revenge on these guys so it's a it's a revenge film
1: and yeah it seems like in some ways because you know ragman talks about the history of sammy he wanted to play the halloween dance mm-hmm. but they they said no he's evil we don't want him you know right and so it feels like it's also sammy kind of getting revenge on the town
0: exactly yeah
1: yeah but it also i mean we see like i I love that scene where they show him in front of congress like tony fields is giving a good performance man yeah it's like like,
0: we will bring you down
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i I gotta mention one thing about this too just a little fun fact but the director of this movie went on to direct the original air bud which cracks me (laughs) up So you know it's not you. Know, it's it's one of those uh, one of those details that maybe people forget. And I would love to talk to him about it too. It's like you didn't stay in horror. Was it just the success of this film and it, it didn't quite hit? You know, talking again one more time just to get back to Gene. I have to say in my mind this is his most level and likable performance in a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I think Nuke is a great character.
0: Yeah, it was very subtle. I liked his I liked mm-hmm. his performance.
1: It's kind of weird because it seems like he's trying to tell Eddie, like, you know, well, look, Sammy wasn't as great as you thought, but you're right. his biggest fan. Here's this record, but at the same time, there is that little look in Nuke's eye after Eddie leaves, kind of like, I know what's on this record, and yeah. then he disappears. He leaves town when it's gonna play at midnight. You don't see Nuke. Yeah.
0: No, but that's not that's not documented that he left town. <laughs>
1: are we going to get into that in a pitch all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just as we as we close out and we get ready to to get into where do you take this movie next if you had to point for you jay to like a a, mo- a scene in the film that actually you, you would say this is the one you watch it for or this is the moment that connects with you the most What what would you say that is
0: i think you actually mentioned it it's it's probably that the concert scene where uh, where you first, you know, you see Sammy in action on stage, and like you said, like he's hitting his leg and he's getting everyone to clap. To me, that is like an iconic scene. And it actually is very, it's very like iconic. It's not just iconic, but it's also like I think people could relate to it because there's, he, he's a guy up on stage. Once you can get a crowd into something just by slapping your leg it's like man this is serious business like he had this influence over them and he didn't even do anything yet you know so it was pretty neat i like that scene a lot
1: it is and i love his pose when he ends up like on top of the basketball hoop and he's just like it's like the phantom of the opera up there and it's looking down on everybody then he swings down you know on a table like that's so cool (laughs) and even like tony fields was a dancer on the program solid gold right that was his background
0: he's also in a chorus line also
1: oh okay because his movement is is really engaging and he's doing like like flips and stuff like mm-hmm. he's, he's all over the
2: place i don't know ever since his show came out ozzy just cracks me up just because it's just kind of like what does he think he's doing because i don't think he thinks what we think at the same time so yeah
1: Well, I I do feel like this is probably Ozzy's best performance on film, (laughs) because if you see him in, like, his cameos in Little Nicky or the new Ghostbusters, I always feel like he's sort of, like, the butt of the joke, and I don't like that. He's giving a real performance here as the evangelist who hates heavy metal, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, it's another really uh, iconic scene to me is um, it's super cartoonish. It's almost like out of, directly out of a, a Warner Brothers cartoon. But it's one they're chasing uh, Eddie Weinbauer in the school, the bad guys. And uh, they're like sliding through the doors and falling down the steps. And then yeah. they, they go into like one of the classrooms, the library, and they're like tiptoeing through the <laughs> library. It's like it's hysterically funny if. But, like, if you don't read it that way, you're not going to get enough enjoyment out of it. Like, I watch it, I laugh hysterically when I see it because I think it's <laughs> I think it's deep down meant to be hysterical, you know?
1: Yeah, I think there is a lot of intentional comedy in this film, and things are, you know, staged definitely in a way to, to give you that little humorous beat. You know, I yeah. don't think it's it was ever meant to be, like, a super scary film. It was meant to be a fun film. Right, right. Mm. And, like, for me, like, for example, like, one of the moments I feel like could have been super awesome is when tim shows up to eddie's house after his girlfriend gets fried listening oh, yes. to the tape and uh, and tim shows up and eddie just walks out onto the steps and as soon as tim takes a step towards him flames shoot out yes. of the jack-o'-lanterns
0: yeah that's where, like eddie puts his hand out and that's yeah. when the flames start yeah that was a great scene i, love I that. wish
1: there was more of that kind of stuff because that, yeah. that's really really cool imagery yep But also, like, one of the moments that, uh, it's not my favorite, but it got a reaction out of me, is when Ragman is having the meltdown about hearing about Sammy's death, and he starts ripping all his heavy metal posters down. You're like, no, you know? Yeah,
0: my uh, anal retentiveness uh, and my, uh, my I'm a collector, so I'm like, no, you can't do that. Not love
1: gun, No, 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 not look it up, no. Yeah and even like there's uh one of the albums that he has at one point is uh Exciter which is like this really iconic, it's like this, I don't know if it's a woman or just a glam metal guy, but ripping their face off to reveal a lizard person underneath. And I remember seeing that at a used record shop in college. And so when I saw it on screen, I was like, I know that record. So it's just like, oh, it's totally authentic. All right. Well, I think we have praised and questioned Trick or Treat uh, enough here. And if you're wondering why we haven't brought up Little Sam, this is the wrong movie. Trick or treat is fine, but this is a different animal. So Jay, let's turn it over to you. Let's see what all these years of loving the film have conjured up in your mind for a trick or treat too.
0: Wow. Okay, you guys are in for it. So, <laughs> so my my idea is inspired by modern heavy metal horror because we're we're in a time that's actually uh, very appropriate for this because we've had some heavy metal horror movies come out in the past couple of years. We had devil's candy, Deathgasm, And, you know, there's a new one that just came out called heavy trip. So these, these are the types of movies that are kind of inspiring my idea for the sequel. You know, it works best when you can expand on the mythology while giving more of the same. So that's where I'm going to go with it. We have the main character in the sequel. Her name is Samantha and she's a college-aged kind of like a weird outcast girl uh, in the vein of of eddie but a little bit more with it she's still backward like socially inept but she's in a band with her friends from her childhood and they're the only ones that she could really count on because all throughout her life she was kind of getting bullied and like i said she's an outcast so she tries to make friends once she gets to college as a freshman but the same kind of stuff happens where she's getting kind of not, not getting harassed necessarily, but every time something sort of comes up where she'd get invited to a party, she'd realize it was like a joke that they were playing on her and things like that. So uh, she's really upset one night after driving back to her dorm from some party. And, um, So she got trashed on by this group of friends, like quote unquote friends. She turns uh, the car on, she's driving around, got the radio on and she starts to hear a track by Sammy. And the DJ is talking about how there's gonna be a marathon for the 20th anniversary of Sammy Kerr's death. So she starts to become obsessed with these tunes because she had never really heard music by sammy kerr before and since it's fresh to her ear it's like you know she can't get enough so it's it's, she's just soaking up as much sammy kerr as possible she's she starts to dig up old metal magazines we see her watching old interview footage on youtube like buying tour t-shirts off of ebay so she becomes like this obsessive fan it's like a new toy because she never really paid attention to this band before, you know? So the idea is uh, from there is that Nuke is back, right? Nuke was essentially spared by Sammy under the condition that he would have to keep him alive. And so he was about to meet his demise. And then Nuke kind of just went along and said, I'll do whatever you need me to do. That kind of thing. So Sammy was keeping Nuke in his back pocket. Sammy being that he was uh, sort of like a, I would say kind of like a demon or, or more of a spirit, wasn't necessarily a human entity, even though the water temporarily puts him away, um, you know, cause at the end he gets driven into the water. It's not something that could keep him away forever because he's basically like electricity so he could be conjured back up. So after time passed, the music started to fade into the past in terms of like music falls out of favor, certain bands, you know they're not as popular as they once were musical days change so it makes it much harder for sammy to find an opening back into the real world so that's where nuke comes in he's been working in radio since his dj days but he's become more of like a business mogul where he owns stations all over the country and he owns a company that's sort of like serious satellite radio and he basically is there to ensure secretly that every affiliate and every satellite station has a Sammy marathon that's going to be playing on Halloween. And all the power from this will start to lead to gathering up like that energy to try to conjure him back up and rematerialize. But like each year it hasn't been enough because there hasn't been enough interest and there hasn't been enough like ragman type of worship that could bring this guy back. So apparently murdering high school students with lightning bolts from your guitar doesn't put you in the best light with mm-hmm. the people around the country, you know? So, <laughs> but, like, meanwhile, Nuke has these mysterious secret meetings with what we assume is, like, a higher power. It could be, like, Satan himself or one of Satan's minions. We don't really see much, but we hear bits and pieces of, like, vague talk. And the scenes are bathed in red where these guys in robes are in this cave and they're talking to Nuke about how he's got to harness the power to resurrect Sammy or they'll send Nuke straight to hell. So, you know, you kind of get that background. That sets the stage. But meanwhile, the interest started to become on an uptick because now we're approaching the 20th anniversary. This movie is going to take place in around 2006. And then in the months leading up to the anniversary is when this girl, Samantha, had been digging into that Sammy lore, like I mentioned before. So she starts practicing these tunes with her friends that have the band. At at first, it was just kind of like for fun in the garage, you know, and they're just like rocking out in the garage. But then they hear about this Battle of the Bands gig, which just so happened to be promoted by the Nuke Radio Network. So they feel like they have a shot to get into this Battle of the Bands, and it's a way to do something positive to get Sam's you know, head out of this Rut that she's in, so they all start to perform some of their original songs. But then she says, "I want to start doing Sammy Kerr music." So they start to perform those Sammy songs in the garage and whatnot. They decide that they're going to call themselves Samantha Kerr, 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 in tribute to Sammy. So throughout the film, then we see them practicing. We get little hints of Sammy. Like weird stuff starts to happen. Like they they'll get like shocked by their guitar. Their amps will start sizzling and stuff like that. So then we brings us to the night of the Nuke Network Battle of the Bands, okay? Now this happens to be the same night of the Sammy Marathon that's gonna be going on, which is basically Mischief Night, the night before Halloween. So the Battle of the Bands will end at the stroke of midnight on Halloween which is like the morning of Halloween. So there's just tons of energy. It's almost like they're gonna just conjure him up with all this energy, you know? And we're getting glimpses of Sammy trying to force his way through to the real world because you're gonna see random speakers on stage. You'll start seeing his head push through and things like that. Just little hints here and there. But finally, the unfolding of the battle of the bands. Nuke has paid off the judges. There's a couple of three goofy local celebrities that are judging the bands. Uh, and and they keep advancing Samantha Kerr who all dressed up and glammed out like an 80s hair metal band. So finally, they get declared the winner and it's almost midnight. And Nuke says they're about to broadcast their final song live, so they rip into Trick or Treat, just like Sammy did. And this is when everything hits the fan, because once they're midway through, the crowd is super into it, and electricity starts zipping around this venue, lightning bolts are just like crackling, the lights begin to flicker, but they just keep playing because Nuke tells them they've got to keep going. So we see Nuke up in his little control room. He presses a button that locks all the doors around the venue. So finally, stroke of midnight, the lights go completely out and the band keeps playing. And then there's a huge blast of light and voltage. The people in the venue are going crazy, trying to run for the exits. The whole stage basically explodes and there's fire and sparks everywhere. There's a ton of audience members who wind up getting killed from this. The other girls in the band were able to jump out of the way, but Samantha winds up falling through the stage, and she was trapped under all this rubble. After the dust settles for a few moments, we see Sam's hand reach through the rubble, and a familiar hand grabs it, and it begins lifting her out of the rubble like a phoenix almost, and we don't really see anything other than her body rising up through out of the stage. She's like floating. And then we see a close up of her and then the side of her face we see, which is like now hideously burned by the explosion, making her look like Sammy. And once she's standing up straight, she looks up to her side and the camera pans over to reveal that Sammy has been resurrected and he hands her a a guitar. He grabs his and they look around the joint to see that everyone is still in the venue. He motions to her band to get back on stage so they all slowly crawl back to the stage and he makes them start playing, right? So he then begins blasting remaining survivors with electric bolts from his guitar. And then he starts doing this David Lee Roth style calisthenics in between. And it seems like it seems like each kill to him is almost like a video game power up because he just keeps getting more powerful at that point. But then once he blows everyone away, Nuke hobbles down. To get on the mic since they're still live uh, doing the broadcast so nuke reverts back to his old radio shtick about it being halloween and that sammy is back and he's about to rock your socks off and sammy hops on the mic and they continue to rock out in this venue that has become a literal graveyard and then when we we start to hear loud sirens blaring in the distance and they're getting closer and closer. And next we hear super loud banging on the emergency exit doors. The band is oblivious. They just keep playing. But then the girls start looking at each other because they are getting worried. They know something's up. And then, bam, each emergency exit door gets bashed down all at the same time by a SWAT team. And the camera focuses over to one door right in front of the stage and in walks a fireman holding an oversized water hose. He throws off his helmet, pulls off a face mask, and we see it's Ragman. Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) just as he whips up an iconic one-liner, like, I'd hate to put a damper on things. (laughs) Then he just hits his hose, and then we immediately cut to black and end with closing credits. So, you don't really know. Oh. You don't really know what's going to happen there. And it leaves it off on a cliffhanger.
1: <laughs> wow. All those years of waiting that give you another tease. That's good.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, Jay, now that you've given us the origin of Samantha Kerr, I think this is a perfect place to plug real quick. Uh, what your offering was this year.
0: Yeah, that would be so cool. Thanks so much. So, yeah, it's a character called Samantha Kerr. It's basically like the female version of Sammy Kerr. So I said, you know, we, we live um, in the day and age where we're finally getting, like, female versions of characters. And, it, 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 you know, for, for you know, we had Ghostbusters and a lot, a lot of different uh, licenses are getting uh, stuff like that. So finally, it's like, man, let's see how it would be if uh, Samantha Kerr existed so i i was like man let's make this happen and now it's available only until the end of the month actually for a limited time so uh, if anyone's listening you can go on T Fury and you can get it there. You could type in Samantha Kerr, Sammy Kerr. It'll come up.
1: Yeah, it's really great. I bought one immediately. It's on the back of my guitar. So I rock out with Samantha Kerr now. Uh-huh. Yeah, tees and stickers and all kinds of different swag.
2: All right, Jeff, what do you have for us? So I start off with kind of a similar vein to the first one. So we've got Alex, who's a wannabe rocker, but he's not very good. So he keeps auditioning for bands. He never makes any of them. So he decides to start solo recording on YouTube, recording himself playing guitar and writing his own songs and stuff like that. But he's getting no response and nobody's viewing it. Then one day, all of a sudden, he gets a comment to one of his videos that says, you know what? You should use like some background instruments I happen to play, like uh, message me and let's let's work something out. So he does and he ends up not actually meeting this person, but just kind of over the Internet, he gets these background to his songs. He kind of like splices it all together and then all of a sudden, the videos start getting more and more views. And so as this is popularity is growing, this mysterious commenter starts not only suggesting background instruments, uh, but also starts suggesting new songs, sends him lyrics and different stuff like that. And Alex is kind of oblivious to the fact that the lyrics seem to get darker and darker as they're going but he's getting more and more popular. Alex has a friend named Ruben who kind of like is trying to let him know about this. And he's like, like, dude, I can't even watch any of your videos because it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But Alex kind of blows him off because he's getting more and more and more views on all of these videos. Around the same time, there's reports of like incidents about these videos where like that, like, They were playing at a party and then something, there was an accident, there was reports of people listening to it and then doing crazy things and stuff like that, which ironically actually makes the buzz even bigger so they get more and more and more views. Then finally the tipping point is after all of this buzz, Alex kind of convinces Ruben that hey, this newest one, you really gotta check it out. So Ruben does, checks out his next video, and then the next day, Ruben brings a gun to school. Gets suspended, huge big thing. Ruben, like, this is not in Ruben's character. Everything like that, and that finally raises the, the interest of Alex, where he figures out, like, wait a minute, something is actually up. So he looks at the lyrics of his last song, and decides to punch him into like a Google search and finds that they actually are the lyrics to a, or very similar lyrics to a Sammy Kerr song. So then he starts trying to track down this mysterious commentator that's been sending him all of these things, but is having real difficulty. Like, you know, obviously he's not much of a hacker, so he has to figure things out through other means ends up tracking down like, I don't know, maybe the IP address or something like that and finds out that it's actually coming from the school. So he goes to the school and the IP address is actually this old, maybe not an Apple IIGS, but some old computer that for some reason is in the back of the computer lab and it's been left on. And he realizes that somehow Sammy Kerr is is contacting him through this computer that has still been linked up then right when he kind of realizes that there's like a message that somehow it has been transferred to another computer and that's where he finds out that Reuben has actually been manipulated by Sammy to set up the whatever it is in order to bring Sammy back to the real world so things kind of escalate from there i mean obviously people or more people are going to be killed and stuff like that but it comes down to i don't know the, the idea i had was that Alex decides that the only way to defeat Sammy is to shame him, so starts sending messages about how horrible guitar player Sammy Kerr actually is. Nobody thought like your guitar playing was ever any good and it's a joke and that's the only reason they listen to our music is because I'm such a great guitar player. And so basically ends up challenging him to a guitar duel So they have this huge big guitar duel at the school. And meanwhile, Alex has kind of set up with Ruben to to do a double cross or whatever, somehow transferring, uh, we'd have to figure out the details or whatever, somehow transferring Sammy into a USB drive. So now not only is he contained, he's never seen a USB drive, so he doesn't even know what that is. So he gets transferred into it. And then the police show up, and uh, Alex and Ruben give the USB drive to the police officer, who takes it, turns to the camera, and we see that the police officer is Gene Simmons. And uh. Nuke walks away with the USB drive.
0: Uh, nice.
2: So it's always about Nuke, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well I think I, I think the, the good part like with mine and yours is that so far like Gene is uh still available for movies, so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so.
2: gotta bring it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was not gonna say no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well let's bring this to a close here. Mine is a modern day sequel. It's called Trick or Treat Two Seance of Sin. But it would, if you imagine the poster, it's like SOS, and it's in like bloody letters, you know, it'd be pretty nice. cool. So you have this in your mind in the background. You know, we had Fastway doing the soundtrack for the first film, so for my film, I put together a super group called Ugly Cur, composed of the following members of famous bands. So first of all, if you're going to have a weird supergroup, you got to have Buckethead on lead yeah, guitar. Oh, yes. So I love me some Buckethead, so he's there. We got Jason Newstead on bass. We got Scott Ian on rhythm guitar. And Bobby Rock from the Vinnie Vincent Invasion on drums.
0: Nice.
1: And Jeff Scott Soto from Steel Dragon uh. on lead vocals. So, a down-on-his-luck rocker named Nick Hartley has been struggling to find a hook for his career. He sells a lot of songs to other big-name acts, but no label will sign Nick to record the tracks himself. Though he has a loving girlfriend, Mackenzie, who believes in him, Nick still feels his career is going nowhere. That is, until one night. While rummaging through his childhood record albums, He finds an old audio cassette he recorded on Halloween night, 1986. It is the infamous broadcast of Sammy Kerr's unreleased album that was broadcast the night of the high school dance massacre, which frazzled victims claimed was perpetrated by a demonic version of the presumed dead shock rocker. It's while listening to this tape that this desperate but talented nobody gets an idea. In montage, we see that Nick has become a media sensation, falsely presenting himself as the son of Sammy Kerr in order to give his career a boost, rechristening himself Nicky Kerr. Opening for acts like Marilyn Manson and Slipknot, Nick begins using many of Sammy's stage antics and footage of his concerts are all the rage on YouTube. But Nick has started to notice some funny business during shows, like when his guitarist receives a deadly electric shock from an amp while the group plays one of Sammy's signature tunes, or the fake snake he's supposed to bite ends up being real and attacks him. Mackenzie is the only one who believes that there could actually be supernatural forces at play. A few nights later, while backstage, a groupie dressed like a female Sammy Kerr is hiding in Nick's dressing room and tries to seduce him, turning on his old cassette tape of Sammy's album to set the mood. Nick turns her down and ends up even more freaked out when the girl starts screaming, DADDY! in a demonic voice and mounting him, then draws blood while scratching his back with now elongated fingernails. Seeing her eyes roll in the back of her head while continuing to force herself on the rock star, Nick pushes her away, which breaks the tape deck and he bolts out of the dressing room. The music ending, the girl returns to normal and is unaware of her momentary possession. The stress starts getting to Nick, so much so that when a middle-aged Sammy Kerr diehard calls him out as a poser, he punches the fan and ends up with bad press on TMZ. Nick's manager, Bobby, convinces the troubled star that he needs a stunt to keep him on top, so Nick reluctantly agrees to play the entire Songs and the Key of Death album live on Halloween in order to summon the soul of his dead, air quotes, father. The show sells out in five minutes. Mackenzie, meanwhile, travels to the town where Sammy's reported resurrection took place and seeks out Eddie Weinbauer, who is now living a quiet life as an auto mechanic. The former ragman is reluctant to discuss the incident, but eventually reveals that the demon he fought was electric, so he shorted him out by dumping him in a river. Eddie then tells her that if Nick has been listening to that album for any length of time, it may already be too late. After the sound check for the Seance for Sammy concert, as it's been billed, Nick is approached by a haggard looking nuke who warns that he is on a dangerous path. Nuke explains that the night of the Halloween broadcast, the DJ was kidnapped from the studio by disciples of Sammy Kerr, who wanted to make sure the broadcast was not halted upon Sammy's return from hell. Nuke suffered from amnesia for all these years, living on the streets until the emergence of Nicky Kerr brought it all back to him. Nuke tells Nick that each time he plays the tape, he's giving Sammy the power to return to her corporeal form. Nuke hears the songs of the Key of Death album playing in a nearby dressing room where Nick new lead guitarist has tried to learn the licks and as the frantic ex-DJ bursts in and tries to destroy the tape a nearby guitar comes alive shooting out its strings like tendrils and choking Nuke to death while stabbing him through the eyes with the end of the sharp strings just then the tape starts playing backwards and Sammy's voice is heard saying hiya sonny boy you're making daddy angry especially since I don't remember squirting you out I gotta take the belt to you Halloween night if you make it that long Nick tells Bobby about the death of Nuke and tries to get Bobby to cancel the show, but the greedy manager reveals there's too much money wrapped up in the event. It's not about the music anymore, it's business. In fact, he made a deal with the mob to finance the promotion of the concert, so two mafia enforcers have been assigned to keep an eye on Nick until the concert is finished. At the Seance for Sammy, Nick and his band kick into the first track. Soon the electricity is surging to one side of the stage as Sammy pulls all the energy from their Titanatron type monitor and appears in full form in front of the crowd. He struts, poses, and dances, which drives the crowd wild. When Nick tries to use this cover for his escape, the enforcers manhandle him, which causes Sammy to zap a martial stack on the stage, which forms a black hole-type vortex, sucking one of the enforcers into the hole where he is shredded like a wood chipper, spraying blood on the crowd as if it's a guar concert. The next enforcer charges Sammy and he jams two ends of a guitar cable into the brute's ears then charges the cable, creating a current that turns the goo into a crispy corpse, which the demon rocker proceeds to break into pieces with the classic Paul Stanley-style guitar smash. The crowd <laughs> is loving what they assume is special effects in stagecraft. Nick then comes face-to-face with Sammy, who demands, Tell him the truth, baby boy. Tell him who you really are sammy then causes a video to play of nick dressed in hipster attire singing a sappy acoustic pop music ballad for one of his earlier attempts at stardom humiliated nick tries to bowl off the stage but sammy shouts you don't have to run i want to see you dance then proceeds to shoot electric bolts at nick's feet which he dodges several times before being blown into the wings of the stage the crowd is eating it up so sammy gestures for a buxom female fan of the front row to get up on stage He then dips her and forcefully kisses the woman on the lips, her head hanging backwards the crowd can see the electricity surging through her body. Her eyes bulge out until they burst along with the tips of her toes and fingers. Then the crowd starts to panic. Mackenzie finally arrives backstage and tells Nick she knows how to defeat Sammy, but the angry rocker says he'll do it on his own and charges his tormentor with a torch from his stage set. Sammy disappears into a jack on the amp and starts jumping through the equipment, ultimately bringing the lighting rig down in the shape of an X and strapping Nick to it with a mix of chords and guitar strings that dig into his flesh. As the rig then begins lowering Nick towards the stage, Sammy taunts, you can't hold a candle to me, kiddo. It's then we see the flaming pentagram of hundreds of black candles burning on the stage floor, ready to burn Nick into oblivion. Sammy teleports onto the back of the lighting rig and says, pointing to his own burned flesh, I don't see any resemblance, but we're about to fix that. Just as the flames start to lick Nick's body, Mackenzie blasts the two battling rockers with the fire hose used to cool off the crowd. This puts out the candles and causes Sammy to scream in agony as he begins to bubble and melt like Stripe from the end of Gremlins. Mackenzie turns the hose on full blast and remarks, Face it, Sammy, you're all washed up. As the villain disintegrates completely and is washed away. (laughs) Mackenzie unties Nick, Bobby the manager, then comes on the stage to congratulate his client on the fantastic show, saying they'll make millions off the publicity, book deals, and TV movie rights. Nick promptly punches Bobby in the face as he and Mackenzie exit stage right. And credits roll.
2: You didn't follow our, our trend of making Gene Simmons the bad guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: Poor Gene. We love Nuke. He had to die sort of a hero. <laughs> Although
0: I like that we both had the wet one-liners.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Fire hose and <laughs> water-based puns. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we've had three great pitches, but let's see. Let's see what we could do here. Uh, let's get into the votes. Jay, who do you vote for?
0: Well, I mean, I I like all of them. I might go for yours because I did have a a good time. It seemed a lot more fun. Mine's more like it seems like more serious, like almost veering toward a little bit more horror in a way, I guess, because there's a little bit more dread. Yeah, I think I might go for yours.
2: All right, Jeff, how about for you? I gotta say the, the the start off Jay with the the scenes with the devil. I was a little nervous about that, but I really liked that battle of the bands angle, mm-hmm. uh, and especially the cliffhanger and stuff like that. But but you're right, like and and some of it too is just kind of how much time I know Adam spends on his. It definitely had the feel of what I would picture a horror movie like this. I don't know that it would be of higher quality than this one but you guys think this one's pretty high quality already so yeah, I would lean towards Adams as well. You know, I, I have to
1: say, Jeff, I thought yours was interesting. I mean, th- the idea of him being sucked into a U.S., you know, <laughs> into a, you know I mean that, that was just a funny way to go. But yeah, so for me, I feel like Jay's is probably my pick because I love girl rock bands. And so if we could at least get a soundtrack, you know, featuring almost like a, a heavy metal Josie and the Pussycats, I'm yeah. 100% on board for that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of going
1: for (laughs) it so i think that would be great but anyway uh yeah so uh, that's fun i you know my pitches as much time as i spend on them as jeff mentioned that they don't often get voted on so thank you gentlemen (laughs) Yeah, you got it (laughs) but is there something that you would want to change buckethead buckethead needs to go (laughs) oh
0: come on (laughs) i like that aspect i really do like that super group aspect that's cool
1: well, let me tell you this. Now, maybe this will, will spark something, but I, in casting it, these were the characters I had in mind, and it might seem kind of weird, but for some reason I was going back to, let's take Christian Bale. You know, he started in Newsies. Let's make him Nick. Let's get him singing again. You know, he's our main character hero. But then you get Jared Leto as Sammy Kerr, because oh, unfortunately no Tony Fields is no longer with us. But if you got a I'm, new interpretation,
0: what do you... I like that because, you know, he's in he's in his own band, too. So he could definitely. That's
1: true. Yeah. Yeah, And then for the for the love interest, for whatever reason, I just wanted to see them paired up again. But Maggie Gyllenhaal is Mackenzie. I think she's got a nice quality to her. I'm thinking of her more from like the days in Donnie Darko. I feel like Hmm. she'd be pretty cool.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: But um but yeah like so is, is there any other element that you feel like you would want to mix it or any other suggestions for I mean do I, I don't really have you know we have Ragman's cameo did you want him to be more involved or do you like where he ended up Jay
0: Yeah no I I like have I like, I didn't think his part should be huge anyway so I, that was fine for me like even in in what I did like you know I you don't really necessarily need him to come back but i do like that you know he was just like living his life that you you know you mentioned that so no i i felt like that was adequate for for the for the story
2: do you feel like because if you're going to bring in gene simmons and then kill him off should you do the same with, with him too
1: I, I, I thought about there being some element of like Eddie coming in thinking he's going to save the day and then Sammy kills him real quick. <laughs> <Is that laughs> like, so, just like a false hope. He's like, Yeah, I'm going to catch you. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, no. So, I mean, that could certainly be a funny moment if you wanted to add it into the mix. Yeah.
2: Well, and like, because my thought is, is that, and especially if you guys are wanting like the franchise, like, you know, Freddy Krueger style, is that the way that he was defeated before will not defeat him this time. So if he shows up and he's like, I know the secret, water! And it's like, come on, dude, seriously? And so then you have a separate.
0: And that's why, yeah, like at the end of mine, I didn't, I just cut it off because like you don't really necessarily know if that's even going to do anything. And to me, it's like one of those trick endings. Uh, But I think deep down, like I know that it's probably gonna not work out for him in the end, you know. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what what we could do then? Because I thought about that too. Actually, I was like, it seems too obvious. If you know how to kill him, then you just kill him like that. All right. Uh, but I but I I'm liked wish it more just an homage. Yeah. But what if we did? I mean, we could do like either a, a post credit scene or yeah. something that's like, that's like him literally like, they think they're getting away and he rises up like out of his puddle of goo or whatever he turned into, you know? Yeah. And then, then you see him like, I almost think like it'd be a cool visual, like all the candles, the black candles that melted, they all kind of form together and he almost comes up in kind of a wax like <laughs> figure for like, no reason. Like, but, but like his two. fingers are on, yeah, <laughs> 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 with his fingers on fire like the Heavens on Fire video, Jay?
2: Yeah, well, what if, like... Because that's the other part, too, is if he's supposed to be electricity, water doesn't defeat electricity. I mean, water conducts electricity. So what if it's something along those lines, like he's able to travel along the water stream or something like that?
0: Well, see, that's why, like, I always felt like it wasn't so... as scientific as right. it seems. Like <laughs> I, I, I think it's more like... The reason why I went with what I did is because I felt like it's more like... Um, you know the only reason why these uh, rock superstars are around is because the fans worship them, and I feel like without that you can't conjure him back up. You know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I went. It's almost like the same principle for Freddy Krueger, because if no one's dreaming about him and believing that he's real, he's not he going to no work power. out. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and we could, we certainly could uh, could play into that as well. That just the idea that all the people, the crowd, kind of like you were saying, that were there, they were on board at first, they're excited, then he sees actually killing people, they're not into it anymore, but at the same time, like, maybe, Nick, you know, in this story can somehow, like, convince them that it was just a stunt, and, and like or like, he's nothing, you know, he's just special effects or something, and that could, like, depower him enough that maybe the hose can then get rid of him (laughs) on that line or something i don't know like just so they do take away the worship of sammy kerr that he was nothing or whatever or maybe another jump scare again just to keep samantha kerr the concept and the consciousness what if like they're driving away and then out of the back seat pops up that groupie that was dressed like sammy kerr and she's possessed again you know but but she's the female sammy kerr you know so she then then it goes black and that could be a fun ending yeah right.
2: or even like picking up a copy of like a cassette tape or something like very like flash gordon e where someone picks up the ring but someone like a, yeah the groupie picks up the cassette tape or something like
1: yeah. that. yeah well actually that's true because i didn't have a spot in there where they destroy it like passing it on you mean yeah that's good actually we, that, let's make it that yeah definitely leave it open for a sequel oh, we'll i yeah. it back Cool. All right. Well, uh, in, in terms of directors, I don't know if the guy still has the edge, all these years of Air Bud movies and whatever, whatever else. So Charles Martin Smith might not be our guy. Is there a modern horror director? Is this going to be a Blumhouse film and we're going to bring in some unexpected <laughs> I don't think,
0: director? I don't think you can go with though, the traditional guys. I think you have to go like non-traditional for this, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, how about this? How about Jared Leto? He directs it. He's got to be ready to direct at some point. What would his vision be? I like that yeah. you're a
0: fan of his. <laughs> so, so no, I I'm a fan also, but so many people like kind of crap on him. You know. Well, I right. love
1: Suicide Squad. I, oh, I, 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 it was amazing. It was so much fun. Yeah, best of the DC films in oh, my opinion of oh, the, the recent Adam,
0: Adam and I are like kindred oh, spirits.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Or just get Rob Zombie, because I like Rob Zombie's Halloween. And we could bring, I didn't I like Halloween 2 so much, but I feel know, like, the
2: first one. I don't but. know. I feel like he goes he goes further than... I don't know that he would get the... Because I think you still want a level of camp here, right?
1: Mm-hmm, a little bit. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, you're right. It's a little too light for him, probably. Yeah.
2: Well, wait a minute. Do you think Sam Raimi is ready to get back into this?
1: Ooh, that would be a good idea, yeah. he could. He could give us some fun imagery for sure that would be a real good idea
2: but then if you do that you realize that that means bruce campbell has to make a cameo somewhere
1: <laughs> he'll he'll play bobby the manager that's, he'll be the manager oh my gosh yeah. that
2: is that's perfect that's that true. is good <laughs> really good
1: now we got our our episode art right there we get bruce campbell in the background people sam Ravies, trick-or-treat Two, sos loving it all right it is past the witching hour sammy might be appearing in your apartment at any moment i mean he's already there but in many forms i'm sure but (laughs) jay let me just thank you for coming on like i said kindred spirits absolutely we could talk for hours
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: So why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Halloween is your big time of year. Let them know what they can check out.
0: Cool. Thanks. Uh, So you can check me out. uh, The website is sexyarmpit.com. You can get me on Instagram and Twitter at sexyarmpit. And we have the Halloween special 2018, which is on YouTube. And you can check that out. Uh, Also, uh, the Purple Stuff podcast is uh, one of the podcasts I do with Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. So that's available anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, and most likely, if you listen to Purple Stuff, you've given us a shot just because Jay was on the show. Thanks for listening, guys. Stick around. Check out the archives. We should mention the archives will be your best friend for the next two months because we wanted to go out with a bang. But for the next two months, so in November and December of 2018, sequel quest proper is going to be on hiatus i'm having a baby here at home my wife uh, will be giving birth to our third child so i'm not gonna be available thank you yeah (laughs) and so uh, i'll be gonna be playing mr mom here but we will be back full force, January 2019, and uh, we got a lot of shows lined up. We actually have several guests waiting in the wings that want to come on the show. We had to say sorry, we get, we'll get you next year. So we we ask you to stick with us and go back and check out some old episodes. There's a lot of fun. We've been doing this for three years now, and more to come for sure. So until next time,
0: be loyal to your heroes. They can turn on you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. Tunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended.